I've been through stuff. And growing up, I was very lucky because I also happened to do like sports cards, comic books, or whatever. And I just got to meet a lot of people. And fortunately, a lot of the people were older. They at least were understanding of my situation more than I was. Some of those guys would watch out for me if there was like a trade show in town and like I was trading sports cards or whatever and gave me the opportunity so my mother or father didn't have to be there. I could just spend the day learning about stuff or whatever and it was cool. That's kind of where I got some of the thing. I'm like, okay, how to be smart in a trade negotiation. Later on with like comic book stuff and you know, kind of was on and on that I kind of got the benefit of different people little by little that helped kind of shape who I am now. I just think it, it's it's about being intentional for anything else. Like people come to my channel, they know exactly what they're gonna get. I was busy for several days and like, I went to check on my discord and there's a whole group of people helping people out with decks and doing all this stuff. And like, I get tons of new people that come through. That's what I want, right? And if it means I grow a little bit slower, that's totally fine by me. I'm getting people that trust me. I get people that are loyal. You're trying to cultivate and speak to that audience. Try to figure out what we call what your channel avatar is and speak to that person, produce content for that person. Daquan, how are you doing today? Dude, I am good considering how busy it's been the last three, four weeks. So I finally got to settle down this week. What have you been up to? Just content uh, man, or other we, stuff? Just a lot of content. Uh, we did some commentary for uh, the San Diego Regional Championship. I think it was a dream hack. Then I had, we had the early access stuff. And then I literally took a red eye and edited a video in the clouds to be able to land at Command Fest Orlando on time and actually took a shower, walked right into the event and did that all weekend. So it's just been a crazy couple of weeks. Nice. So it's just been go, go, go. Like, do you, do you ever experience kind of uh burnout or like just, just feelings related to that as a creator? I don't think I do, but I'm kind of preconditioned, I guess, for this, having run a business and stuff forever. So, you know, you kind of go through those stretches where you run long hours and you sort of just get used to it and how to manage it mentally. I mean, a matter of fact, even when I worked with Card Kingdom, there would be weeks where like new releases, we were literally cracking pallets of stuff. I had like, I don't know, at one point, I think we had like 28 employees under me that were all dealing with that for like five or six days in a row and you kind of just get used to it you know uh but i do do a lot to balance my stuff as far as like making sure i take time to watch some mandalorian you know with with the lady or i'll take time to just go play with my cats or whatever it is just to unwind a little bit in the middle of everything else going on oh nice so how, how many cats did you say plural cats or yeah i have three and they're all rescues so smudge our oldest cat he was rescued from a zoo uh he was like the runt of the bunch that ended up just sniping food was left over from i think like the eagle yard so they all figured like at some point he was going to be food if they didn't catch him so we brought him home and then most recently we got uh two other cats that were uh one of the shelters had them and they were a matching set, so we brought them home. They happen to all be gray cats, though, which is kind of funny. How are they getting along? Because I've got two, and even two is hard enough as it is. The first, like, two months or so was a little awkward because the little ones, we got them when they were real small, you know, just barely past the weight and everything for us to bring them home. So they were just being kittens and annoying our oldest guy. And then as they got a little bit bigger and he could rough them up a little bit, they all kind of started to get along a little bit more. Nice. And uh, going back to something you said just now, like, how are you finding March of the Machine? Like, how how's the gameplay and how's... I haven't had a chance to... Uh, I'm, I think I'm also in the early access. I haven't had a chance to fire it up yet, so... 
Uh, it's actually been a lot of fun. I, there's, I mean, so far I'm trying to think what videos I've done. I did stuff with dragons. I did a big ridiculous ramp gruel deck that was playing like a tallies and stuff. Uh, we did some angel stuff. Uh, I did a token or plus one plus one counters deck. So there's like all kinds of things you can do right now. You know, the biggest thing I tell people is just don't get too hung up on what's tournament viable. I would say because the latter isn't the tournament, right? There, those are two completely different environments. And there's a lot of things. And honestly, if you ask most creators, and we talked about this while we were in Orlando, right? There's probably by the end of the season, I will have produced, man, I don't know, in three months, something 80 plus decks, depending on what else I throw in the middle each week that I'm putting out there. But of those decks, <clears throat> excuse me, I might only actually play 10 or 12 of those or even consider them for a tournament, right? But they're just different environments. So there's plenty of stuff you can do with this set that's really... We haven't even begun to tap into what we can do yet. How do you uh, come up with... I guess, I guess it's like... There's a two-part question, right? Because obviously you're a creator, so you play Magic for the sake of playing Magic, but you're also playing Magic for the sake of, like, here's some content that I can showcase. So when it comes to a new set coming out, like, and you said you're going to probably run through, like, 80 decks, you know, eventually, right? How, how do you, what's your process for coming up with, you know, what's the thing I'm going to do today? So first thing is like when the season starts, it's pick out things that look the most interesting or are getting the most consideration. So it's like I knew plus one, plus one counters. I did a dragon deck before and I knew those perform well on my channel. So I, with new dragon stuff, I decided, okay, we'll do those. You need to do something based around battles because that's the new card type or whatever. So you like you identify all those things right of that stuff that traditionally does well on your channel, and then things based around like the new mechanics because those are going to be the easiest ones to figure out. Then after that, I kind of backtrack through my last season or two and say, what were the top performers? All right, did these get updates or can I do a variation of this? And then it's like, okay, now let's look at all these other random cards that I haven't put in a single deck yet, and what can we do with these? You know, it's kind of like the next thing. But then there's also other creators that do a lot of stuff that kind of give you a jump start to kind of push your ideas. You know, Yeoman 5 is a good one. He puts up, like, I think 50 decks every set. Now, some of them are Pioneer or, or whatever, but it's just an idea to go, like, oh, okay, here's some things you could do with these cards to kind of, like, shortcut it for you. And that saves a lot of time. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to have some variation of the same deck, right? Like, if we, if we do Mono Green we're probably going to be playing all but maybe six or eight cards the same between each of our decks, right? We're just going to play the ones we prefer or whatever. Whatever the metagame looks like at that time will dictate some choices. But it, we can't get too hung up on like, oh, well, this person already did this deck or this person. Because, you know, like I said, like four or five people after I put my dragon deck out, they had a dragon deck, right? It's not like I'm the one who has copyright claim to a dragon deck, right? So you can't worry about that too much. It's just like go through it all and see what you can do. But I also... I share a Discord with some other creators as well, so sometimes we'll discuss stuff or pitch ideas, or you never know. What are some recent decks that maybe have you ever like uh, run it back, like play the same deck again, like if you or you try to keep it variety focused? Or I do like what happens a lot of times. I'll get to the last week or two of the season, and if I learn some things about a particular card, or maybe I've become more fond of a card that I maybe purposely ignored or something in the beginning. I'll go run a deck back and say, okay, well, what if we swap these out for this other card that has turned out to be a lot better than I thought? Or maybe a card I thought was good turned out to be bad. And it's like, well, what if we replace this? Does it change the profile of the deck or not? So those are usually the only times I'll go back over stuff. Or if it just happens to be one of those things that was really fun and we're like, okay, 
that held up in week one before people had real decks. How about now at the end of the season? And, you know, and you kind of try to give it a narrative as to why you're doing it each time. You also mentioned something, which is the fact that you're, you look at the metrics, right? I assume this mm -hmm. is for, for YouTube. You look at, yeah. um, you know, how well things are engaging with, like, is, is that a big part of your, your content strategy is try to figure that out or just constantly monitoring that? Uh, I monitor everything. I'm I'm a I'm an idiot like that. <laughs> you know, you, you, I will say this though. Well, that's like, the opposite some... of idiot. That's that's yeah, that's uh, true. Super that's true. intentional, right? Yeah. Oh, everything I do on my content is 100% intentional. Like there is nothing in a YouTube video I put up that I haven't thought about in some way. Like even the order the games are presented, like what commentary or jokes I leave in. You know, if I change something, like recently I changed the presentation of it, so I no longer show like a full decklist in the beginning. I show cards highlighted and they kind of, I kind of figured out an editing thing to have them like move off and has a cool little motion graphic to it. But I use that because it's more like that it's, I can control more, the narrative. It hooks the, the viewer in a little bit exactly. more. Exactly. And I can explain, hey, this is why this card is here. Here's what I'm hoping to do. This is what we're hoping to see in these games or whatever. As opposed to, I hate using the term, but like the know-it-alls that just want to stare at the deck list and like, what's the mana curve and blah, even though it's irrelevant to what you're about to do, right? They're, they're missing the narrative and the story of what you're trying to put together for this deck. So this allows me to control that. And I still just tell them like, Hey, if you want the deck list, it's at the end of the video, or you can get it in the description. I leave it linked and that's worked out even better, but I always pay attention to every single number. Now, some of them you can't control, so you don't worry about it, but it's a habit I picked up from just being in business. You know, like you look at everything and say, okay, even if something goes well, I want to know why did this one particularly do well versus something that doesn't, right? The same way if I have my store and I say, okay, well, we didn't have any special event this weekend, so why did we get so many sales? So now I'm starting to figure out, was there something in town going on? Was Did Baylor or whatever, you know, university nearby do a thing? Like, trying to figure it out. And sometimes you just can't. It's just a weird anomalous thing. But at least take the time to figure it out. But a lot of people don't panic until something's going bad, right? And they're like... Why did this fail? What do I need to do different? And they'll they'll rush to change. It's like sometimes it's out of your control. You know, you got to learn what those are. Yeah. The other thing is that sometimes like people just stay with mediocrity, right? Like maybe the sure. videos already good enough, so they don't they don't get intentional. It's like oh, you know, like uh, it seems to be okay, but then they're not always they're not. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's like sometimes people could benefit from being a little bit more almost like self critical with like okay, I'm oh, this for is sure. already decent, but how do I get even better, right? I think the biggest problem is a lot of people will keep doing the same thing, even though they're not getting the results they want, right? Like I, I remember when I first started getting into content, I, I researched a ton of stuff. I probably know way more and a bunch of dumb numbers that are never going to be helpful to me, but I've used it to help other people. But one of the things I saw where there were people, you know, when I heard stories of people that had streamed on Twitch for three years and never saw five concurrent viewers, I was like, part of That's me crazy. was like, man, like you, you gotta, are very you determined. To, you have to be <laughs> like more like self-examining on that, right? Yeah. yeah. Part part of me though wanted to say like, I can't believe you kept doing this and saw no progress. Like that is just like resilience beyond belief because I would have probably quit, right? Mm -hmm. Or the other half of that is try to change something drastic, right? Because whatever you're doing obviously isn't working. So is it have more energy? Is it play different games? Is it get a different overlay? Is it try bringing fun prizes to your stream? I don't know, whatever. But like, try something other than what you're doing. And we see the same thing on YouTube. You know, I'm working with a group right now called VidIQ. And they do a lot for YouTube about trying to help people be better at YouTube. 
and the number of people that come through that are just like, well, I've just been doing this and whatever. And then you find out they've been doing the same thing while they've been failing for like two or three years. And it's like, well, if none of this was working, like what took you so long? You know, like, and I get it for a few months because you're just trying to figure things out. But once you start getting over a year, it's like, yeah, yeah, you got to got to be honest that what you're doing is just not working. Yeah, you got to you got to sometimes there's the, there's the hard truth, right? What did they say? Like, uh, uh, you can't do the same thing every time and expect a different result. Like if you're not getting oh, yeah. the result, you got to switch it up, right? And And even I guess at this point, being what I would call successful, like I've tried several things that didn't work. Right. You, you let them run two or three times. You look at the numbers and say, like, yeah, this just isn't going to be a thing. You know, I'll scrap it. Maybe I'll bring it back later with a new idea or a new presentation. But like some stuff just doesn't hit. And that's OK, too. Like you don't know until you try. So I think I think you've been on the record saying that, uh, you know, back in the day, you're you, you, you know, you're involved in magic as a business. You're running the a card sh store, you inherited a business, things like that. We can definitely get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before we do, I wanted to know actually how you became a creator because we're talking about this now. Like, what was the point where you uh, went from just enjoying magic maybe as a player or as a business to actually doing the content? Because you're now very serious about it. I, I, I assume you're full-time content, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, full-time. And it was one of those things where, you know, after I sold my business, I went to work for Wizards for a couple of years. And then I moved from there to work for Card Kingdom for about a year and a half, somewhere between a year and a half, two years. And I during that time, I kind of realized, like, I'm helping move these other businesses along or whatever, but it was so much to fight against. And not, not to anybody. It's just the way, you know, working for yourself versus working for an organization, right? And I was like, okay, well... I can still bring a lot to the community. I have this whole background. I know things that other people just don't know at this point, whether from having worked at Wizards or seeing how stuff, literally at this point in the game industry, I've done everything but work for a distributor. <laughs> I mean, I've helped design so games. You've been, been around the block. So yeah, like I've play tested stuff. I've organized events, after school programs, the whole nine yards. And I was like, okay, I can do something with that. So I said, let me start streaming. Because, you know, Marina was still just becoming a thing, you know, back in, I guess, 2019 when I, when I started. It only been out a little while at that point. And I was like, okay, well, let's do that. We can mess around with that for a little bit. And I'll work on a plan for doing something else. I had this idea. I wanted to do some YouTube stuff, but I wasn't quite sure what yet. And around that time, me and one of my old friends, we started talking about different issues with representation or whatever. So why don't we just start a podcast? You know, we'll at least do that. While I so I'll have something to work on kind of on the side while I figure this whole thing out. And that was probably around October 2019 or so. And actually, I guess we started that in September and then we got more serious about it in October. And then coincidentally, I got released from my job at Card Kingdom in uh, it was right the week before Thanksgiving, actually, that same year. And I was like, well, OK, well, I have a nice severance package. I've got a bunch of money saved up. I even have access to unemployment if I needed it. So it was like. Let's just take a chance and just go full bore on content. So I took a week off, started formulating a plan, started researching stuff. Uh, man, the things I found out during research were hilarious, but um, ended up deciding, let's just go full on. And my plan initially was going to be to tackle the business side of the game industry. I actually started contacting different retailers I knew from different groups, and I was already mapping out like some road trips to visit them and, you know, go to these conventions and then sadly, that was around February as the plan was coming together in 2020. And then, of course, 
you know, the pandemic was coming, you know, about to hit us head on. And a bunch of people started calling me back and sending me emails saying, hey, don't plan anything. I'm hearing they're going to shut stuff down. You know, and then, of course, they did. By mid-March, everything was done. So then I decided, okay, well, I can't do that. I'm already kind of in this arena thing. I've already got the podcast going. Let me just do a full pivot and go for it. You know, and just started tackling things head on and went nonstop after that. That's uh, that's pivoting. That's the definition of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, going with the flow, right? What's funny is I tell people I still have the original business cards, like a couple of lapel mics and some most of I've never used because I got them for that first project yeah. and I've never had a chance to put them to use, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And what, what was the just going back to a little bit like what was the funny, crazy stuff that you found in your research? Well, there was a lot of things like, you know, people wanted to stream during the time everybody else was streaming. Right. Because they're hoping, I guess, to get raids from the big streamers or something. But after looking at it and looking at numbers, said, well, this stuff isn't just happening, right? Like the things that people think are going to happen just aren't happening. People are, if they have friends on or people already follow, they're going to raid those folks. And, and that's what they should do. Like that makes sense. That's part of their social circles. So even though I knew a few people, I said, well, what if I stream off hours? And I'm on the West Coast now. So I figured, okay, well, I'm going to stream 9 p.m. to midnight. So then I literally took, I think it was about two weeks where I just looked at people in those time frames and said, okay, what's happening and there were some people that I don't know how they got views. There was a dude who literally just sits there and smokes, barely says anything, and just plays magic. Like, I don't, I don't know. But then I started realizing, okay, if that's... And the main reason was I'm not competing with everybody else that's in primetime streaming, mm -hmm. right? But the other part of that is a bunch of those people have now gone to sleep because that's midnight on the East Coast. So I said, okay, then who's on? So then I started looking at it's Aussies and Kiwis. So then I started researching news. So whenever they got on, I could talk to them about something relevant that's going on. So I was learning about oh, stuff damn, going on that, in that New is, Zealand, that Australia. That is super customized. That's awesome. Well, yeah, but even some of them are still some of my followers today, which, by the way, fun fact, I learned from them. Like, I bet you could guess what Australia's national animal is, right? Sure. A kangaroo. Yeah. yeah. But why was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard? And it's actually because it always moves forward. <laughs> That, and I was like, man, that, that's that awesome. is a good one. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, but it was stuff like that, that I think made the difference in my content where people are saying like, how are you able to grow? How are you getting all these extra people without doing a bunch of promotion and whatever? And I said, well, I was just fully aware of who was online. And as they started coming on, they were like, oh, this, this American actually knows about Australian stuff or, you know, Kiwi stuff, which is funny. Cause I had to ask if I could actually call them Kiwis. Cause I didn't know if that was derogatory or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they said, it's cool. So, you know, we can use the term, but it was that type of stuff. And I told people like that level of intentionality is what the difference is. Mm -hmm. Like now my audience is made up of more Americans, but that came over time, you know, yeah. but I needed a foothold to get started and that's what worked. Yeah. Sometimes you need that initial, um, good timing or push as a creator to kind of get things get things going and yeah uh, yeah this is this is so how did you come up with like because you had mentioned before this recording just now with me that you were considering streaming tonight so are you still kind of like do you consider yourself a youtuber or a streamer or like all of the above i'm honestly i stream but stream is more of a function of youtube at this point it's right? like I content can, for youtube right like yeah i can use it to either make content i can test things you know i can engage people just to help with the branding, maybe use it to give do giveaways for sponsors, whatever, right? It's a function of everything else. Because over time, one thing we've kind of noticed is that 
not a ton of people move from Twitch to other platforms. Right. But people will come from your other platforms to at least interact with you live over on Twitch. So sometimes I'll just throw in a live on YouTube periodically just so people there can interact as well. But it's all in the name of engagement and branding more than anything else. So you would say that YouTube is your primary, like your go-to, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. And, and it's and it's mostly yeah. because like the discoverability is just better there. The payouts are better, more consistent. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like there's so many little things integrated. Like if I'm live streaming on YouTube and somebody's watching one of my videos, they'll get a little red ring that says like, hey, this person's live. You know, and I've had people come over and say, oh, it's just watching one of your videos. It's cool that I finally caught you or whatever. Yep. You know, that type of stuff that you just don't get on Twitch for engagement, unfortunately. Once you're not live, you don't generate any money over there. Yeah. First of all, YouTube is the best search engine. And like you for said, sure. I, I'm, on, I'm on YouTube all the time. And I see that red ring on the right left-hand side on my subs. And I just know that person or yep. that, <laughs> that YouTuber has gone live. It's it's perfect. And what what's this is almost a leading question. But what is your view on Twitch? Like what? Like... Why is it why is it not like just evolved more in the couple of years that you've used it? I think unfortunately, like Twitch for a long while was the leader and there wasn't really competition because YouTube wasn't really in the streaming space until a couple of years ago that they started getting kind of serious about it. Like it's been a function that's there, but there wasn't really promoted. Uh, you know, Facebook tried to get into it, but they've kind of sort of abandoned that whole thing. I mean, they didn't abandon it. It's still there, but they're not really giving it a top effort. And then, of course, we've seen a bunch of other people come and go, right? So they sort of still dominate that space being the largest supply of viewers of for streamers, as well as being the largest number of streamers, right? That you can network with a lot of, lot of different apps and things are still made for Twitch first because that's the biggest streaming platform. So it has a lot of benefits. You know, I, I just think there's a lot of weird things where, you know, they haven't done anything for discoverability, which I think there's a lot of options where, where I think they could have. There was an app called Hover, by the way, that actually pretty much did what Twitch should be doing. But unfortunately, they never really focused on the viewers. They kept focusing on streamers, and then they just kind of went under in about a year. But I actually thought if that had been successful, Twitch could have just bought that, used that to bring people in. You know, something that gets people to engage when you're offline. Even if it was like when I log into Twitch... Maybe it shows me, hey, you made things you missed today. And it's highlights of the clips of like the top five people I I follow or something, right? Even that would be good enough. So there's a lot of little things there. I think Twitch does also have the issue, though, of like they're a small arm, really, all things considered, of things that like Amazon does. So I don't know how the inner workings of that look. You know, I, I don't know what their future goals are or what they're trying to be either. Because one of the things that people don't realize, one of the biggest... I guess subjects on Twitch happens to be just chatting, you know, the fastest growing, not even yeah. gaming. Well, the person with a cigar, right? Or the person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's that type of stuff. So, and you know, we're starting to see politicians get on there, you know, a bunch of different things. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's good is, you know, you can, everybody can get on and stream something, but I don't know if they've really, I don't know. I don't know if I say they've lost their way, but it's like, I don't know if we know what their goals are right now, where I feel like, when you go to YouTube, they're putting out weekly videos saying, like, hey, here's what we're working on. Here's what we fixed this week. Here's what our goals are for this thing. So, like, even if it's not immediate, you kind of have an idea of where the train's going. You know, and I don't think any of us could say where things are going on Twitch. And everything so far on Twitch I've seen in the last couple, that's not true. All but one or two things all seem to benefit Twitch more than it does the creators. 
you know, and one of the things I think YouTube has been very consistent about is while it does benefit YouTube on a thing, they say, hey, we make more money when you make more money, right? Well, like when your videos are better, that gets more views and we can sell more ads, right? <laughs> and that works for everybody. I, I think for YouTube, the, the incentives between the platform and the creator are just perfectly aligned. They're just, yeah. it's just very transparent. Like, okay, this is how you're gonna, this is how your videos will get more seen or more discovered, right? Um, just keep doing that, right? Uh, whether you're Mr. Beast or a power dragon or like, it, it's pretty naked in terms of like, here's the incentives, but Twitch, I don't know. It just feels like sometimes Twitch is just, my opinion is that it's just trying to exist. And it doesn't yeah. really, it's, it, and it, it's done stuff in the past uh, recent months, actually, that have been very unpopular for creators, right? It's, it's just been like, um, you know, you're going to get less money or, um, you know, being a partner isn't as good as it used to be, or there's more ads. Well, that you know, you have to I run. would even say basic stuff. Like I had issues where I needed to contact them for something, even being, I'm not partnered, but, you know, being an affiliate. I didn't even get a response a couple of times. And the one time I did, it was just like a form email, you know, whereas yeah. on YouTube, I can literally hit a button and speak to a YouTube rep. You know, you can just type right into it, figure out whatever the problem is. And if they can't solve it, they're like, Hey, we're running it up the ladder, expect an email in like two days or whatever. Oh, and okay. just that level is so much better. You know, that if there's an issue or something that doesn't seem right or whatever, they can help you out. Yeah. Do you have special access to YouTube? Cause I've heard about people also having issues with like getting someone to, uh, I don't believe so. If you're on your on YouTube. Uh, YouTube studio, like now I'm like, I got to check before I lie to you. Uh, yeah. YouTube studio upper in the upper right. There's a little thing that says chat with creator support. And that's where oh, mine okay. lives. I don't know if yes. that's a thing everybody has or not. Like, <laughs> but I, maybe it's after you get monetized. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's where mine lives and it's been there forever. So I don't know. Who I'll have to check that out. I, I was recently just monetized. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tiny, tiny. I just got 1K uh, on YouTube recently. It took me a very long time, but um, I'm happy about it. Uh, I guess it's more like a token thing getting monetized. Maybe I'll make but a you, few pennies. But but you know what, though? The the reality is, as far as getting monetized on YouTube, there's a lot of channels that never get there. You know, I was I one of the another early thing I read was that even for the people to get monetized, a lot of them, it takes them over two years. You know, just to get that first 1,000 and, you know, 4,000 watch hours. So some people just never get there. You know, they get discouraged and quit well before then. And there's been a big discussion on if those numbers are too high, you know. And part of me says yes, but also part of me says no. Because it also, from YouTube side, creates a level of, I don't know, security for their brand partners, for anybody they're advertising with. Say like, oh, no, these are all going to be quality videos. These are all people we're not going to have to worry about. Also, when you think about the fact that YouTube is literally dealing with hundreds of thousands of creators, that just reduces the number that they have to deal with on a customer service side. <laughs> right? Otherwise, it just becomes a madhouse. So I kind of get why the numbers are the way they are. But yeah. usually once you get there, it does feel like it gets a little bit easier I, I kind of feel like you get a little bit of extra reach. I don't know if that's true, but a lot of people sort of feel that way. Or maybe it just becomes easier for you at some point. But yeah, it's, it's I'm glad you got there, though. You, you deserve I, it. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I'm still, like, infinitesimally small, infinitely small. And I, like, maybe a little bit about my, my side of the content. Like, my content is not so steady. Like, I don't do magic gameplay. I don't do commander. I don't talk to the same person every week. So it's like... Yeah, okay, this Reduke episode did numbers, but it's like, I can't get Reduke on every, sure. every week, right? So it's like, 
there's less. Um, I'm not trying to be like, oh, this is hard or anything, but it's just like, I'm, I just choose to do it my own way and I just do it because I enjoy what I'm doing and it's not like following some sort of uh, formula. But I also understand like, like if I'm only chasing numbers, maybe there's better ways to do it. But, uh, but yeah. fortunately, I'm not trying to do that. So, yeah, that's kind of the same thing. I have foregone doing certain things, you know, portraying a certain level of character or feigning some amount of exasperation or whatever that I know people would respond to and probably gets me more views. But that's or if not your the dragon audience. video does well, do you just start doing like a dragon video literally every day for like No, I but I but I keep that in mind that like, okay, these will perform well and I kinda put a checkbox next to it. That like mm -hmm. if I'm debating between performing or producing something, that'll probably get priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just think it it's it's about being intentional more than anything else. Like people come to my channel, they know exactly what they're gonna get. I get a ton of people that talk about like, man, it's really nice that there's somebody that's just chill while they're playing and they're not like yelling at their opponents or bad draws or, you know, that's a thing that people comment on regularly. Right? right. And that's the audience I'm cultivating. Like I, like I was busy for several days and like, I went to check on my discord and there's a whole group of people helping people out with decks and doing all this stuff. And like, I get tons of new people that come through. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Right. And if it means I grow a little bit slower, that's totally fine by me. Right. That's I'm willing the to accept that. that you want to cultivate. Right. Exactly. But the other side of that is, I'm getting people that trust me. I get people that are loyal people that, you know, if I have a promotion running, they're going to go use that sponsor, you know, and that that's worth more in the end, other than a, just a bunch of numbers to get that little bit of pay from YouTube. Yeah. So how, how do you personally balance that? Like the, the numbers aspect of being a creator versus like what I would call maybe like intrinsic motivation or satisfaction. It's basically the yeah. extrinsic versus the intrinsic. Yeah. I don't, really worry about it too much other than like is it steadily increasing every couple of months right that's my thing and also being aware like this month will probably be a little bit higher so i have to pay attention to numbers because there's a new release and people are all looking for new deck ideas and stuff like that you know they're looking for commentary on new cards so that these this month is going to spike a little bit so don't be discouraged when next month is i don't know let's say 10 or 15 percent less right because that's understood at this point it's part of a pattern but keeping in mind like are things still going the right way are we still able to make brand deals are my sponsors happy you know stuff like that because the reality is pretty much for everybody that makes real money at youtube the actual adsense you get from youtube are going to be somewhere in the lower under 25 percent for most people a lot of times under 20 percent because you just make money a lot of different ways whether it's merchandise it's a side gig you're selling some type of program stuff maybe you're doing appearances or speaking engagements you know, there's tons of other ways to make money other than just the AdSense. But you just keep that up because that builds your audience. And it's almost like a a proof of who you are and your expertise and whatever to different sponsors or promoters. When you got started in YouTube, like in 2020, um, what were some of the key things that helped you get off the ground initially? Uh, like I said, first off was just being able to do the proper level of research, right? Understanding things that like thinking about it like a business is probably the more accurate way to, to say all that. Because one of the things I thought about, and I was just telling somebody about this yesterday, actually, was I immediately started thinking, okay, what businesses can't function under the pandemic? And I started making a list of different things. And I started looking at different YouTube channels for stuff like that, because I want to know, okay, what are these people doing? How are they pivoting? Like, And one of the guys I found was a, a, a dude who did stuff on cruise ships. And I was like, well, they're not obviously going to do anything because those were already like 
small mini spreader events before there was COVID, right? So like, no way. So with them getting shut down, I was like, okay, what's he doing? Okay, so he did all the typical news stuff and whatever and why they're shutting down, the expectations, whatever. But then it was like, okay, well, what about the history of these ships? Or like, what were some of the first stops that were involved on a cruise ship? And like, what what makes one better than the other? And, you know, started going into all these things other than just the cruises and the locations and everything else. So I'm like, okay, if this guy can make content, then I can come up with some stuff to still do and be interesting that's not just gameplay the whole time, right? And that that helped a whole lot. You know, just having that mindset. And I spend a lot of time, believe it or not, looking at things outside of magic and really outside of gaming in a lot of ways to find different ideas or see different techniques that are working or what's the meta for, I don't know, like daily clothing vloggers or whatever it is and seeing if there's something I can adopt and can I use a certain technique or a certain style or whatever. And I've incorporated some of that into my content that's made my stuff stand out. Well, yeah, I mean, even the the eyewear, right? Like, uh... yeah. Yeah, like uh, I think I think um, this is a little bit like inside your actor studio. But I remember when we had a coaching call and you were helping me like uh, a little bit with like content strategy and advice. Uh, you were even talking about how like you know the way you present uh, product placement, or the way you like stand up mm -hmm. and sit down, like when you have a certain T-shirt. Like there's a lot of things that I, I wouldn't say like that's the make or break for a creator, especially at the beginning when you don't have those brand deals. But like. It just shows like the level of thought that you put into everything, basically. Oh, for sure. And, and I think those are the people that succeed the most. You know, I, I think it's easy to look at somebody who's very successful. Especially, like, to some extent, you almost have to exclude some of the people that have been around 10 plus years on YouTube, right? Because they were able to build an audience before the rest of us got here. They, they were the first to the land. Early movers. Or yeah, early, you know. Yeah. And and not to discredit their work, but like they got a bigger audience first and they're going to have a little more leeway than the rest of us. Sure. But after that, it's starting to look at like, why do these people succeed? They're not just playing a game, right? They're not just showing you a movie review or whatever. It's how they're presenting it. It's what have they done video to video to build their character. And most importantly, you end up building a relationship with that person more than the product. Right. And I think that's unfortunately why and not just in magic, I think why a lot of gamers fail because they want to get on and just do let's play videos or whatever. But the reality is, OK, cool. But they're just there for the game. The minute you quit playing the game or change something else or whatever, nobody cares. Right. Like if you do something that's not playing the game, nobody's going to watch because they don't care about you. You know, and that's the whole thing. Like, I, and I try to work that into my content still. It's just like occasionally I'll open up about something or, you know, have some dumb phrases you throw out there that people get used to, you know, and everybody has a different gimmick. I think like Jim Davis has a soundboard or whatever while he's playing that people really enjoy or whatever. And you just find a thing that's you, that's your gimmick. And then over time, it kind of becomes part of your character. You know, matter of fact, I, I have a shirt that we're working on that I don't want to give away yet. I'll probably tell you off camera, but it's like a phrase I just have that I use stupidly on camera that I'm like, people are going to like this when it comes out. Right. Because I've built up the brand on that. We're going to sell a few shirts when it comes out, right? It's not a huge thing, but it's just those little bitty things that you go, hey, this is probably a marketing opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, and then capitalize on it and just move to the next thing. That's that's really drawing on the the business sense, like the world mm -hmm. outside of magic, like just, just studying the world basically, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, how much of Daquan is Daquan on camera versus like Daquan to 11 versus a persona when you when you do stuff 
honestly, I'd probably say like 85, 90%. (laughs) It's just you, right? Yeah. yeah, It's literally me. That's, and that's, what's funny when people come up and meet me, they're like, Oh, you really are just this chill all the time. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I jokingly tell people I give myself five days to be angry every year. That's it. You know? And it's not that difficult because that was also intentional because I decided like, if I want to do a lot of content, I have to be able to do it the same way or at least present the same person regularly. And if I can't get up to be a character, I wouldn't be able to produce top quality content that day. And I know a couple of the creators that I've met that play these bigger than life kind of personalities on camera. And they've even said like some days they're just like, ah, I got to skip a day. I'm just not feeling it, you know, or when I've met them in person, they're not that character. You know, they're just yeah, a yeah. chill person that just you know, wants to just hang out. And I, and I think that's the biggest issue. You know, I it's difficult for folks to really do that regularly. And I don't think people realize it. Like playing a character all the time is very, very difficult. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anybody do it. I think it's one of those things that because they see other creators do it, especially if it's a long term creator. You know, when you see somebody, it's like shouting and yelling and freaking out or whatever, when things pop up on screen or whatever, it's like they've built that character over years and years and years, starting out like that when nobody knows you and trying to keep that up, especially when you're not getting the views or anything yet, is going to feel really difficult. Yeah. You know, so I just didn't want to do that to myself. It's so hard for to put up that level of energy, you know, and I, I wish people understood that because... One of the problems I think people have is you, it's easy to mimic or want to mimic somebody else that you see as successful. But you have to understand, like, their whole life, their whole process, whatever, is built around that persona. Yours may not be. And then the other part of that is that's successful for them, but that may not be successful for you for a whole variety of reasons. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know who they work with, how they promote their stuff, you know, whatever. There, there could be a bunch of factors. And at the end of the day, you just have to say, okay, I need to figure out what works for me. Because I've also told people too, if you're doing the same thing somebody else is doing, you're just going to be a worse version of what they do, right? They have a bigger audience. They have a bigger budget. They probably have a better setup, better networking. You are just going to be a bad version of what they are. Right. And we see that so much in the magic community. You can be the a worse version of someone else, or you can be the best version of yourself, basically. Yep. I tell people the best impersonation you're going to do is of yourself. Yeah. Uh, have there been things that you've tried, like in terms of, con- like you have basically touched on it, but like, what are some things that you've tried that maybe didn't land or like, just, just like, I, don't, I wouldn't call them failures, but just like when you, when you're experimenting as a creator, like what are yeah. some things that, you know, maybe didn't quite. I would say like box openings don't do great for me. You know, those are things if I do it, it's just kind of like I already have it recorded. I can put it up, get a few hundred views or whatever. But what I did at least is I used that to turn it into story time. So when I'm doing box openings, that's where I was using it at least to kind of connect with the audience a little bit. Talk about like, oh, yeah, this card, man, the first time I played this in a tournament yada 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 right or oh man i remember i had this and then i traded it to a guy and now it's worth like 50 dollars or something you know i sold it for like a buck for or traded for a shiv and dragon or something you know so there's ways for people to connect to me even though that content wasn't going to do great it was like okay well let's get something out of this that's beneficial you know so i don't do a ton of those anymore i'll probably still do them in the future but again 
I will do them with the expectation of them not doing well. And the people who do enjoy them are at least going to get some inside stories kind of a thing, right? Uh, it's it's that type of stuff, right? There's there's things that also surprised me a little bit, right? Where I did why you don't make as much money off your magic collection as you should, you know? And that did really well. Uh, some random ones that are just helpful, like the top five magic apps you should download or whatever, right? That type of stuff has done well. But there, and like I said, there's others where like, oh, okay, cool. People want to know about that. Let me do this other like top five video. And it's like, oh, well, that one bombed. All right. <laughs> you know, like, so it, it happens, you know, but again, some of that's just learning your audience. And sometimes you don't get the audience you want to have, right? You're trying to cultivate and speak to that audience, but sometimes the people just find you, you know, and you have to learn what that is. But at the end of the day, bare minimum, try to figure out what we call what your channel avatar is and speak to that person produce content for that person right hone in on who it is what it is that you know how old they are i don't know their income level what type of content how, how competitive are they whatever and keep that in mind as you produce your content because trying to just like i'm going to get every magic player is stupid because it's never going to work right you're never going to have everybody and all you're going to do is send mis mixed messages to all the different parts of youtube trying to share your stuff around because they're never going to have a consistent read on what it is you're producing. How'd you come up with Power Dragon? Was it through research or was it like built up? Over no, time not at all, actually. <laughs> so this goes all the way. Okay, first off, to tell people how old I am, this is uh, from an AOL issue where America Online, by the way, for the you youngins that don't know what that is. Uh, but I was in college and I had a roommate who was trying to come up with a username on AOL. And he, and he must have sat in front of the computer, I swear, for like 30 minutes. And just typing stuff in, they were all taken. And I was like, dude, just put words together and take out like one letter or whatever, and it, it'll be fine. Right. So I don't know why, just being a nerd, I sat down and just put Power Dragon in, took out both of the second vowels, and of course it worked. And he's like, well, I don't want that. I'm like, I don't know, that's kind of sweet. I might use it. So then, like, I just saved it and I started using it for some. I used it on like the rec.games boards. I used it when I started playing uh, Command and Conquer, I think, and StarCraft online and whatever. And just over time, it just became a thing I use for everything. So since I kind of already staked claim to it, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make that the brand for my content too, because why not? Why not? Why not? And uh, yeah, I'm glad you explained that for the for the listeners or the viewers, but I think I'm from the same generation as you. So I grew up on ICQ, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, AOL <laughs> discs were coming in through the mail, like in the magazines. We're using them as coasters even back then. Oh, dude, I like uh, IRC is how I met the people I went to my first pro tour with. <laughs> oh, that's, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's how long ago I, I've been playing Magic. That's like the, the, the Magic Pro League, like the Magic IRC yeah, yeah. community. Yeah, that's that's yep. uh, uh, I, I guess you're into Magic Online as well, or you were at some point? Uh, Not so much. I not a, not ever really big into it. I I was part of the first, I guess what you want to call like alpha tests because I don't even know if people remember, but they sent early accounts to I think if you'd played on a pro tour, maybe if you owned a game store and maybe you were a judge or something. Like there was a couple of pools of people that got access. So I've had my account that long, but ultimately I've I've maybe played a couple of tournaments, a couple of sealed leagues on there. I just never really was big on the interface. So I just played more paper magic until like arena came around. All things considered, I'm guessing the Lord of the Rings set is going to be pretty, pretty massive. Like I don't, that it, to me, it feels like there's no way that 
that would not do numbers, right? Maybe, maybe actually overprinted might be a danger, right? For I don't even know. I like that's the thing, right? On stuff like this, it becomes like one. I think it is going to sell well because I know people that are fans of Lord of the Rings and they're already excited. That's, there's going to be a magic. Like set. Printing money. There's people yeah. who don't play magic. That are like, how do I play magic? Right. But there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about with this set, right? Like what the agreements are with that company that owns the license, right? Like how much can they print? Are there certain things they can and can't promote? Are there certain mm -hmm. places it can or can't appear? Right? There's a lot of that stuff that we won't know because that's all business side. You mean stuff. like the Tolkien estate or Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that only crossed my mind because years ago with comic images, I we were kind of working on a, a Godzilla game at one point. And one of the things that came up was the company that owns that license was super strict, right? If we wanted to change, like we already had approval for an image, but you want to put it on a different card because like the way the card work changed, that had to be approved. You know, like, I mean, if you changed a word on how a card worked or whatever, like that had to be in the file to be approved or whatever. And it was just such a hassle, right? So I can only imagine when you're talking something like Lord of the Rings, that's hell, I don't know, an ancient property at this point, you know, what type of controls or negotiations or whatever had to go on. I have no idea. Yeah. Any any predictions, though? Like, is it going to be like a resounding blockbuster or? I think it's going to do well. I don't know. Like, again, not seeing the cards, I don't know how impactful they're going to be for tournaments or whatever. But there's a lot of good collectible aspects to it, right? With the different versions of the art where some are kind of done in that storybook style. You have several different cards that have the, the uh, what are serialized thing on it right obviously there's the one of one ring you know that's <laughs> that's the big talking point yeah. but yeah i don't see a reason this set shouldn't sell i would be really surprised if it. it's actually one of those sets that i considered like do i just get a couple boxes and just let them hang around for a little while in the closet <laughs> like, like like maybe yeah, it probably holds some value right yeah this might be one of those honestly yeah well you know you're not someone to shy away from um uh political or contentious no. discussion as i know from your <laughs> tweets and your podcast uh it's called the color of magic right yep yeah so let me just ask you like what are your thoughts on the 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 skin tones of uh certain characters in the lord of the rings set like have you talked about that before no we we only touched on it lightly and i don't like for me personally i'm not attached to the license at all so you know i it's you don't have much stake me. in the game, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I will say, like, I get it, right? And what people have to realize, too, again, Wizards wouldn't have made that decision without running that through the Tolkien estate, right? Somebody had to approve that for them to do that. So enough people in higher-up positions that are involved with the promotion of this game and this license thought that was a good idea. So for whatever we decide to say or how we feel about it, like there's enough people that agree that this is something that should be done. And and I get it, right? Because we we have talked about it on our podcast of like, it's a weird thing to grow up being just a, a for a large part, non-white male, but you know, non-white in general, and be a fan of fantasy products. Because up until, I don't know, like 12, 15 years ago, there really weren't depictions of especially black people, but non-white people in a lot of the properties. So if you opened a D&D &D book, I mean, except for maybe some of the bad guys, nothing really looked like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this is like a step sort of saying like, hey, this is a character where it kind of makes sense that this could be a thing. So let's try it on this character and see how we feel about it. Right. 
if we're going to introduce it, let's do it here in a way that makes sense instead of making it feel super forced. Because there was never a thing in the books or even in the movies where Aragorn being a certain skin tone was going to change anything from the background of the character or whatever. So it's like, all right, you can just put it here as a representative piece of a certain audience and just see how people respond to it without affecting anything. And that's probably like the reason that decision was made. It's kind of like a safe choice, really, overall. Mm. So it could actually be something that the the estate or like the, the owners of the Lord of the Rings IP were actually driving. Because I think people are making assumptions that it's just wizards who are, exactly. who are doing this. So maybe, maybe there's a there's a downstream effect of like something happening up there, right? Maybe, you know, I, like there's stories and I don't know which of them are true, but like all the celebrities in Hollywood that came out that tried to read for roles in Lord of the Rings or whatever, because they're all fans. And I wonder if that holds over on them too. Like if, if uh, I don't know, let's say a Samuel L. Jackson wanted to read for one of the roles and you're like, ah, we, we don't really have anything for a black person. Yeah, you know so what I mean? Are like, really going to say that? I mean, I don't, I don't know, pretty... but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, but that's a thing though, right? Like where, what would he have read for? Even if it was just to be like a Raider in one of the scenes or something like it, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not really a thing. So I don't know. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, because I guess they did do something recently with uh, whatever that the TV show they had. There was a Lord of the Rings TV show. Yeah, that yeah. Had a, a, a player uh, characters that were, yeah. were new characters, maybe. Right. And and that says that they were already thinking about that anyway. Right. Because and again, people raise a little bit of hell about it or whatever. But again, the studio that had nothing to do with magic at that time, right? The studio and the estate decided this is something we should do. So they're obviously already in that mindset or thinking about it because that was already released before we knew, well before we knew anything about the whole Aragorn situation for magic, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is a magic or wizards thing. I think this is an overall branding thing. Are you surprised though by the magic communities? reaction or maybe some parts of the discourse around this no not at all like i mean go back to when they did the secret layer black is magic right like they they had they were talking about like killing people and they were depicting teferi's daughter like being thrown in a pit and you know just all kinds of stuff you, the n-word thrown around on cards so it it's kind of par for the course unfortunately you know people don't like change people Especially, I think for a lot of times, the way I view it is when you've had something that has been strictly, I don't even say made for you, but just didn't include other people, Mm -hmm. it starts to feel like they're taking it away from you as other people are getting some shine in the same space. When the reality is, no, there's still plenty for you. We're just throwing a bone to this other group because they haven't had anything before. (laughs) Like, it's weird to me, too. I still see the same thing with guys. When, like, women show up and want to do a thing. I Actually, I I had this happen on a video. I did a thing. I made a standard deck that was just, like, all non-males. It was just, like, female theme deck, you know. And one of the first comments was, like, well, when are you going to do the whole all-guy deck? And I was, like, dude, really? Really? Like, these aren't even real people. Like, it's a stupid theme for a deck. Yeah. Like, that that's your first thought. Not that, like, yeah. this is cool or it actually worked or whatever. It's, like. Oh, well, yeah. why, why you got to do all women, right? So those people are just going to be out there. Like, you, you kind of have to just do it enough to work past them. Because all these things we're doing are making a difference, right? When we were down in Orlando, one of the things we talked about is if you looked across the tables, almost every pod had a non-male in them, mm-hmm. which is something we couldn't have said even five years ago. You know, like, the fact that 
I looked around the room and me and Teferi were talking and we weren't the only two black guys in the room, right? Now, there still wasn't a ton, but there was like 12 or so, you know, like, and that's a huge increase from where it used to be, right? So those things are making a difference just slowly but surely. And the truth is, if you like a thing and they're creating diversity to appeal to more people, you should want that because that's going to be more people spending money, buying merchandise, whatever, for the thing you like so you get more of that thing you like <laughs> like so you should be in favor of it this kind of goes into the kind of um sometimes it's not even racial it's just like the gatekeeping aspects of the community like i just want things to yeah. always be this way i think that's just i guess i think i guess maybe it's just generally a human thing like people just don't want change and sometimes it manifests itself in like i i don't want this to change at all like this this the certain character or like the certain scene like uh, you could argue if it's right or wrong, but maybe it's just like a human thing, right? I think on some level, people want things to be the way they want it to be, right? And not accepting that there's a lot of different ways this can be. You know, and again, the YouTube thing where people will show up and be like, oh, well, you should have done this, or you should have played the deck this way, or you should have put these cards in there, or I don't know why you, you know, there's even people who've done like, well, I don't know why you changed your intro on the video. I liked it better this way. It's like, okay, sure. But a lot of people have commented they like it the other way. Right. Not everything's going to be just for you. Like if I show up to somebody's video, there may be some things I don't particularly enjoy. But if I enjoy 80 percent of it, then I'm probably still going to watch it. And that other 20 eh, percent, it's just not for me. That's fine. They're doing something they want to do to appease themselves creatively or whatever. I don't know. And that's fine. But you're right. We see it in a lot of places of society where if it's not made for me, it's wrong. You know, that's the same way people think, well, I like this thing. So it's the greatest thing ever. And then if I don't like it, it's crap. Yeah. When in reality, like, we all have some guilty pleasure things that are pretty terrible. We have to admit they're not great, but we like them. You know what I mean? Like, and that's okay. It's not going to appeal to everybody. The same way that things that I don't like doesn't make th mean they're terrible. Like, I don't like to gamble on Alfredo sauce because there's a <laughs> wide range of Alfredo sauce of being great or being bad. So I just don't touch it a lot of times at restaurants right. when I don't know. But I have friends that just love Alfredo sauce, you know, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to look at their plate and go like, oh, my God, how did you order that? More power right? to you, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's there for somebody. Let them enjoy it. How do we get out of this? How do we get How do we get better as a society of, like, just getting out of our own heads and just having maybe a little bit more, I don't even want to say, like, empathy, but just understanding what other people like and dislike? No, empathy is is probably the right word, honestly. We, we kind of have to, one, it starts at the top. Like, politically, we're just a mess right now, especially in the U.S., like it, we're all worried about picking sides and defending things or whatever. When the reality is we kind of got to figure out like how to appreciate things that don't originate with us. You know, even, even as a guy, like there's things that like women deal with or that women create or whatever that I don't know about unless I talk to women sometimes. Right. And that's okay. But instead of just immediately starting out knocking it because it's made for women, it's like, well, how, how does this really make women's lives better? Let me hear some things. This could be a really good thing that this exists. It's not for me, but if it makes the people around me happier and better and stronger, then like I'm fine with it existing. You know, like, but we have to get to that headspace. I think we just have to be intentional about it. You know, I think it's going to take some number, and sadly, I think it's going to take some number of celebrities, some number of YouTube influencers, whatever, to just kind of keep beating that drum over and over. Like right now, Mr. Beast is dealing with that problem because he has a friend who's transitioning who's and his crew of boys has been around forever. 
making the transition and people are attacking him because he's supporting his friend. And it's like, dude, this is the same person you knew for the last like five years. You've been doing videos or whatever, but all of a sudden y'all are like, Oh, you can't support your friend. Right. And he's like, come on, really? <laughs> like, like, plus to be honest, going after Mr. Beast. Don't be surprised if he registers a million people to vote next year. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's got, like he's got power he's got real power in exactly it's like just saying that may not be the bear you want to poke <laughs> mm -hmm. the internet man it just fucked us like it just it just really like just changed our brains our wiring like we expect people on the internet to be held to a higher standard when they're just human beings right i think a lot of it was we just let a lot of stuff go unchecked you know i think we were trying to be really careful about not over censoring things you know, not over, not over promoting one thing over the other. And with that, a lot of negative voices got a lot of space. You know, right. we've, there's a lot of new platforms out there right like now. Hate that, speech you know, and all kinds of things. Oh right? yeah. I mean, we've seen platforms right now that literally uh, kick a couple of weeks ago, had somebody on there just openly supporting Nazis and, you know, right. using different expletives and whatever. And nothing happened to them. Right. You know what I mean? It was just like, well, do I even want to be around that? But the other part of that is how many people are okay going, oh, I like this guy, whatever. And then now he's on there, you know, talking about Jews and this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, now what do you do? Right? Mm -hmm. That should have been a thing you just stamp out immediately and say, like, this isn't acceptable. We don't want to build our platform around this, you know, and then sh keep showing people that, hey, this is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think every time we don't, you kind of give that people that little bit of extra leverage to go like, well, maybe this isn't that bad, or maybe there are enough people that think like me or whatever. And you, you kind of embolden those people a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's same reason on my YouTube channel or any of my content for them or my streams or whatever. I don't even bother tolerating it. Even when people come in and, you know, want to throw exploit or, you know, slurs around or whatever. I just ban them and don't even give them time of day. Wait, people like, actually just, do that. They actually do. Slurs. Oh yeah. That's happened multiple times. Holy shit. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, just drop in, dropped an end bomb. Like getting creative on how they spell it because you've blocked all the different variations. Everybody's so acting like some like five year old that's just like trying to figure out what they can get away with, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, they're trying to get a rise out of you ultimately, yeah. and I don't even give people that. I don't let them see win, it. right? Don't. don't yeah, we don't literally just yeah. ban them and move on. We don't even talk about it. Like right. even people in my streams or in my discords or whatever, like they all understand that, so they don't even give them the time of day. Like we literally just okay, it's a thing, boot them, whatever, ignore them. And we move on, right? It's yeah. not even a conversation for more than like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of how you have to treat that stuff. You know, when people are, I see a dumb comment on YouTube. It's like, hide user from channel, never see it again. Yeah. You know, or report user, never see it again. Yeah. And what that does, I've noticed too, is if you go through my comment section, people are more likely, more helpful. They're more supportive. They're giving real critiques and useful feedback or whatever versus just complaining about something that doesn't even relate to the video or whatever. You know, I... I've had those people, and we were talking about this over the weekend, where people showed up on my channel and said, well, you should be careful about talking too much about Snoop Dogg, because it's going to make you appear too urban and chase away some of your audience. And I was like, what do you even... Well, one, if you don't know who Snoop Dogg is, you've just been under a rock for like 20 years. But like, Snoop the Dogg other part... is a cultural force that transcends exactly. any dude, he, boundaries dude, whatsoever. This is a guy that literally coaches Little League football. He's doing voiceovers for like children's cartoons now like yeah. but but where it came up because i was trying to think really hard like what did i even say right so i right. went back to the video and literally it was like a 30 second 40 second segment where i was just telling somebody about the uh snoop dog and martha stewart cooking show that they have 
which is one of the most hilarious cooking shows ever because it's the most awkward pairing. And that was it. And I'm like, that that got you bothered? That, like, mm-hmm. I made a reference about a rap guy? Like, all right, so it's too urban. I see what you're trying to say. Like, you're one of those people. You know what I mean? So those couple of people, they got banned, didn't see it again. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. The internet has made it okay to like anything and to hate anything. And yep. with no actual consequence because of anonymity, because of various factors. Like, I, I think about this stuff way too much. But, like, is there anything that we could do about it, right? Like, I guess, I guess one thing is, as you said, proactively just take people out of the spaces that you're trying to cultivate. If they're really like, Hey, if you're, if you're really into like racism or something, go do it over there. Don't do it over here. But like, how do we even address the real problems? Right. Is it the political stuff? As you said, that's part of it. But I think it's also like over time, those people realize like having this mentality takes away opportunities for me. Right. Like I don't get to be part of these spaces. I don't get to compete for money. I don't get these other jobs or these gigs. I don't get the followers on social media, whatever. And that's the only way it's going to change, because as long as they still are getting all those things and can have that mentality, well, they have no no motivation to change. Right. Right. And, And I wouldn't change either if I were them. Like if this is working and I can think this way, then like, why not? But you have to take all that stuff away. You know, and. We've seen that, like where games like Warhammer came out and just made a whole thing of like, hey, we don't support X, Y, Z or whatever. And if you are, get the hell off our tables. You know, we've seen stuff. I think Nintendo put a big thing out. Like Wizards is obviously, you know, for all their flaws that they had, you know, they're still trying to make positive things. Saying, hey, we're going to do these secret layers that support these different groups. We're going to donate this money to these charities. Right. And I think over time, you just see enough of it that if nothing else, you're at least empowering all the people from these other groups. So they start to make up a bigger chunk of the space, if nothing else, and that helps as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think, I think, but to put it in perspective, Magic has done that a lot better than a Warhammer 40k or some of the other sure. games, like, just based on what I've heard. Um, I do want to go back to one thing you said, like, do you think that there are not enough, I, I, I shouldn't say not enough, but do you think there are, there are, there are not more, um, people like you know minorities who enjoy uh magic or fantasy because of representation or is there something else that prevents people from going into and enjoying those hobbies i think it's a two-part thing i think on some level it wasn't culturally acceptable for a long time right and me and my my co-host brian we talk about it at times on the show where we were each the only people within probably three generations that were into all the fantasy stuff that knew anything about comic books, magic cards, D and D, whatever. So there wasn't like a community built around that. And that that's kind of changed over the years for whatever reason, it feels like it started with anime and kind of bled into other stuff. So that's, that's changed. I mean, the fact that when somebody pointed out, I guess like three, four years ago, they pointed out there's a blurred con, which I thought they were just messing with me, but it's like a whole convention for black nerds. Like, I was like, this is what? <laughs> right? And I was like, wait, no, this is real? This is actually a thing? You know, so it's definitely changing over time for sure. But I do think that representation does play a part in it, you know, because I've had multiple people come up and just thank me for being in the space. You know, I've had people come on my content and just say, oh, man, I, I don't know any black people that do content for Magic or whatever. This is really cool. And the ones that do struggle because you're either to some extent, not getting views because people don't relate to you, don't look like you, whatever. And that can, that can be a hurdle, you know, but also 
not everybody's geared to deal with the hate that comes with it, right? Because again, I've taken it at every level and I have infinite stories I could give you. How how do you how do you manage that? Like I I, 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 I know we should have empathy, but I can't even begin to imagine like being an Asian person what it's like to be to oh be man black and be subject to some of the stuff that I've even only just like hear about right but to actually oh man i i can tell you a story man stories are endless uh one of the ones i just told somebody this weekend was there was a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament we were running way in the beginning when when uh upper deck had the license and we're starting to run their big events i was one of the people helping run their regional stuff and for whatever reason we just were running out of product or whatever so i was letting people know like hey if you're in line up to this point we're probably not going to be able to take care of you because we're going to be out of product, but we're going to be willing to do all these things for you to make it cheaper for you for future events and blah, blah, and all this, right? And two parents literally just went, and two different parents, by the way, so two different households, like just went off on just like, this is why N-words don't need to be running events and N-words don't understand how to be in charge of stuff. Or like right in front of the kids and everything, man. I mean, and I felt so bad for the kids because you could tell like, the kids were had that face of like crap, you know, dad's doing it again. You know, one of those types of things. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, that's everywhere. You know, I have stories from industry events, from people coming into my business threatening stuff. Like it's it's just part of it, right? You but I've dealt with it enough and overcome with it enough. It literally doesn't even move my meter when it happens anymore. But for people who haven't experienced it at that big of a level or when you're the centerpiece, right? It's one thing when you get a little, you're catching strays because somebody's just mad at society or whatever and you're kind of wrong place, wrong time. But when it's directed specifically at you constantly, that's hard for some people to deal with. And I get why some people go, man, I just don't want to do this anymore. Or like, it's not worth it because of all the negative comments or whatever. And I think that pushes a lot of people away too. So I get a lot of people who come up and just say like, man, it's really cool that you're here. You know, people that have told me they started playing or started getting into content because they saw some of my stuff. But like right now, I don't, I mean, I would say as far as like consistency, it's kind of me and Joe Johnson with tabletop jocks, I think. <laughs> like, and you know, and Cedric still shows up on all the the magic stuff or the uh, commentary things for, for Wizards. So he's pretty prevalent. But that, that might be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, that's consistently out there or at least on a big enough scale that everybody knows. Because I think people just deal with a lot of hate. and um, Oh, for sure. Uh, Same I, reason yeah. a lot of women and a lot of trans folks quit doing content, right? They get a lot of hate for no You know, people go, well, the only reason you got a bunch of views is because your boobs That's are so out stupid or whatever. Because, you know? it's like, like, well, then by this logic, like, does it mean that every man is successful because I'm a... I'm a cis man. Like, do I have some sort of advantage? Like, exactly. No, like the logic is just really weird. Yeah. And the reality is most of the women that they say that about, if you go look like they're spending a lot of time mapping out what they're going to stream, prepping stuff behind the scenes, you know, getting working with artists to get quality overlays and stuff, or like nerd girls out here organizing a whole damn team to show up to different events and stuff to make sure there's promotion and stuff happening. Right. They're not getting there by accident. No. They're they're honestly they're working harder because they know people are going to give them crap, so yeah, they're giving the you less to take shots. Larger, at. right? Arguably, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just. Uh... By the way, it was Joe Johnson who who told me about um, Blurred Con, right? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and and he was, um, it, you know, that that one part of your answer, he did say that, and and I hate to paraphrase someone, but like he's mm-hmm. basically saying like, um, please keep me honest if this is not the way, but. Yeah. He was saying, like, the black community itself, you know, sometimes makes it not 
cool to be a nerd, right? It's for like, sure. Well, you know, and, and he was telling be, me how, sure. like, yeah, he was saying how, like, people were like, you know, put, you know, they had snide remarks about, hey, what, what are you doing? You're playing this card game. And he was just fully leaning into it. He's just like, I'm not apologizing for this. I just love magic. Let me show you the game. Like, this is cool. You can win money. Like, check this out. There's magic. There's Yu-Gi-Oh! There's this stuff. And he, he just, he just fully, like, doesn't give a fuck. He just, he just, he just leaned sure. into it. And, but I, well, I understand, like, it's very hard to go against the societal grain, whatever that is, right? Yeah, and that's that's sort of what I was getting at is like in the black culture, it was a lot of like either how to get out of the system that you're in or the problems that you're dealing with or whatever and trying to do things that your elders thought were going to be beneficial for you in life, right? Like you need to be studying or you, you're, you're working on your basketball game because that's how you're going to get your scholarship or whatever it is, right? Just playing games was never seen as something that was productive. Even though there's a lot of benefits to it, they didn't see unless it was like, you know, a family game. You're playing like dominoes, spades, whatever at a gathering. But out, other than that, it just any games you were spending real time and money on, that was taking away from something else that was going to get you out of the struggle effectively, right? Or at least that's how your, your parents and grandparents saw it. So they just didn't want you wasting time on it. So it was never a thing for a lot of people. And that's that's if you even had money to spend on it, you know, is the other part of it. Did you have your challenges like uh, growing up, like getting into gaming and just, you know, because you're a magic lifer at this point, but like, yeah, was that ever I, a, 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 an obstacle of some sort? I think because I always kept a really diverse group of people around me from so many different backgrounds. If there were, I was so, I don't know if I want to say ignorant to some of them, but like, I just didn't care. I was busy, just like life was already so hard. And I don't, because I literally grew up like, destitute not even poor i mean like i mean we we were living out of a motel at one point like you know a couple days from being on the streets like you know you know i i still hate the cold because we ran out of propane for the the heat for a couple days like before payday and like i still like have like trauma from that you know so i i just you know i've been through stuff and growing up i was very lucky because i also happen to do like sports cards comic books whatever and I just got to meet a lot of people. And fortunately, a lot of the people were older and they at least were in hindsight, I think understanding of my situation more than I was. Right. Cause as a kid, you kind of just go, like, Oh, this is the way things are. And you kind of just get so through they had empathy for you. Right. Because... Yeah. I think so. Like, as I got older, you start to realize some things people did for you or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I get it now. Right. But as a kid, you're just like, you're just kind of going through the motions and everything seems cool. But you know, some of those guys would watch out for me if there was like a trade show in town and like, I was trading sports cards or whatever and gave me the opportunity. So my mother or father, or whatever, didn't have to be there. Right. They could, I could just spend the day learning about stuff or whatever. And it was cool. And that's kind of where I got some of the thing. I'm like, okay, how to be smart in a trade negotiation or whatever. And had other people helping me with that. And then later on with like comic book stuff and, you know, kind of was on and on that. I kind of got the benefit of different people little by little that helped kind of shape who I am now. So you, would you say that you're, you're fortunate to be in that situation, like having Definitely. Uh, actual, like, maybe I would call it mentor figures, like people who... Yeah, could... well, because, like, my home life was not great, right? Not great is putting it lightly. So, <laughs> so I think having... It was, it was, on one level, like escapism, you know, and I think that's why, as a kid, I was kind of oblivious sure. to a lot Fantasy of things. Fantasy as escapism or... Yeah, I was just, like, yeah. accepting, okay, cool, I get to spend the day doing this thing, and this is awesome. But over time, starting to realize, like, oh, I'm picking up lessons from these people. Or, like, oh, this is this thing that one guy told me about. Or, like, oh, this is what this meant. Or whatever. 
you know, they'd also tell you some crazy stuff. It's like, hey, kid, whenever you get a woman, don't ever let her take half your stuff or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, I'd be happy to have a girlfriend. I don't, I don't, you know, like, you know, then you realize later, oh, this dude was probably some jaded guy from a divorce or whatever, yeah. you know, after the fact. Maybe you but, shouldn't have been telling a young kid this, but yeah, anyways. exactly. <laughs> so those those moments happened too. You know, it wasn't wasn't all just like quality mentorship advice, but right. Yeah, over time, I do think, you know, I was the beneficiary of a lot of just kind people along the way that made it a, at least a little bit easier than, than what it could have been. And so I try to replicate that for people where I can. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, on that note, I think uh, this might be a good time to uh, kind of kind of call it. Um, sure. Thank you, Daquan, for... Um, <laughs> taking the time to talk to me uh just for the listeners like we kind of jumped on like very impromptu Daquan was very generous with just saying like let's do the podcast and uh I'm so glad you did man because I think this was a really uh fun conversation for me I hope it was for you as well oh yeah dude I I can talk about the stuff all day long so if you ever need me back for a part two just knock on my door we gotta there was a part (laughs) zero which is our which is our coaching call this is part one and then we're gonna have a part two I'm sure we're gonna have more um Thank you so much. You're just a joy to talk to. Uh, what's the best place for people to find you on social? Uh, pretty much everywhere on social media, just like it's spelled P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. That's pretty much everywhere. If you're on TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, I do daily stuff on YouTube. And if you want to check out my podcast where we talk, we the way we classify it is we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. But it's Color of Magic anywhere you download your podcast. Excellent. Daquan, a.k.a. Power Dragon, thank you so much, and uh, have a great rest of the evening.